0: This week, I'm really thrilled to have on um, Ian Barnard, who you've probably known from uh, his fantastic lettering online. Um, I've been a big fan of Ian for a very long time, before I really got to know him, because I would hoover up every product he had put out on Creative Market without even thinking. And it was uh I remember looking for the feed and seeing, oh, he's got a new one. And I was kind of inclined to go, I'm just gonna buy this because I know it's gonna be great. So when I was kind enough, you know, I, I reached out to him and he was kind enough to respond. And I guess we've been chatting ever since then. And like I said, whenever I get off the phone or ch- you know, talking to Ian, I'm always left inspired and, you know, impressed by what he's up to and, and what he's able to do. And so I wanted to bring him on because I think he's got a lot of experience and expertise that would be valuable to the audience um so yeah welcome in thanks for coming
1: on thank you for your kind words Thad. and um and i'm sure my family are very thankful for you buying your products so they could provide uh, food at a uh, home <laughs> no they're really
0: so, good yeah. i'm kind of stuck in that era where like because i don't use uh, the procreate brushes but i still use uh, like the Woodblock. block there's so many good stuff like print buddy all that stuff i still go back to Uh, to still use it they're brilliant products genuinely like it elevated my designs so much I can't tell you
1: like it's so nice to hear because like it's just I suppose it's sometimes hard you know because you produce something and then you you, people buy it and then you don't you're there like there's only a few people like yourself and a a few others who might actually give me some feedback just not i not because it's good or bad but because you buy something, it's like I buy something from a shop, and I don't then I don't go back and say, oh by the way, this was excellent. I, and sometimes you just need that to know that you're on the right track. So so oh, thank you for your dude, they're amazing. It's what's really quite nice is you can
0: present work. And I remember I had this in the agency when you'd commissioned like illustrators to do a certain effect. It'd be quite hard because they would literally do it for you. So there's quite a lot of, you know, they'd be very hands-on and it was mm. that thing of now I could get a really specific like good texture or good quality. And it helped me win a job because I was um, I was doing some example designs for a pitch and the guy was like, yeah, I just love the textures and the effects you're getting. It must take you ages. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it does really. But if you know what you're doing, you know, you can uh. And once I've won it, I said, look, I have to be honest, um, this isn't me. This is just these amazing products. And I remember sharing um, your creative market site. So, I mean, that's probably, um, like I said, that's how I got to know you. And that's a good way of kind of starting out. So I, as usually, it's probably worth for those of you who don't um, know what you are and what you're doing, if you could you just give us your kind of superhero origin story? You know, were, were yeah. you bitten by a graphic design spider or something? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: what happened? Um, so uh, I'll quickly take you back a few years. Um, so I I found I was only good at, like graphic design was the, or art was the only thing I was really good at at school. And I didn't draw and stuff like that. It was just, I think, the... It was a term when computers were just coming in as as a design tool, and I I loved that. And so I went off. To, well, I went to college first and did like a multimedia course just to find out whether graphic design was the thing I wanted to do out of like photography and video and all that. And it was, so I went off and did another couple of years just on graphic design and illustration. Um, and then I got my first job outside of uni, a design agency. Spent which was around like sort of 2000. And I spent about seven years there. And uh, that was good because there was like some quiet patches and I taught myself web design and I taught myself how to use Illustrator and pl- programs like that. And that really served me well because when I went into my next job, which was a magazine, I it was only a part-time job. So I was able to do two days a week for myself uh, and did that over, I think, another six years to like 2000, no, 2000. Oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I lose my date sometimes, but... <laughs> Uh, Yes, I was able to slowly build up my freelance career two days a week. So when on the 2nd of October 2012, I was able to, that was my last day of work, and I was able to go into freelance. So it wasn't the massive jump of no days to five days. It was two days to five days. So I had like a couple of clients like restaurants and some website design. So it wasn't as scary, still scary because you're like, you're the person bringing in all the money but yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't a complete jumping off a cliff type of thing. But what also happened on that day was I'd finished like the magazine. It was like a usual process of the magazine where it's like four weeks or well, the last week of the four weeks is like everything comes in and you send it off the printers and it's quite a stressful week. And the reason why I left was just cause I couldn't cope with that high demand in a few days trying to get everything done and the pressure of deadline, you know, that really pressured deadline. I was just not coping with that. So I left there and I, uh, and on that day, I finished work at five. And then two hours later, my son was born. <laughs> so it was oh like, God. what happened was my wife went into labor, or not to labor, she started having contractions about eight o'clock in the morning. They settled down. She goes, okay, go off to work. Because I only worked like 10 minutes walk away uh, in the town. And so uh, she said, "Go to work. I'll phone you if if it starts happening again." Literally did the whole work, got the magazine to the printers. She phoned me up at five. I'd just finished, and uh, I came home, picked her up. Went to the hospital two hours later. She, Zach was born, and uh, yeah, I didn't even have time for the coffee and cake that my um, uh, the midwife had given me to uh, have. Why <laughs> it was just that quick? So That's very um,
0: considerate timing, perfect. He sort yeah. of he just held on, thought, "Well, I know my dad's busy." Oh, yes. I know he can't handle deadlines. So I don't want to add extra pressure here. If I can just cling on for a little bit longer. I was going to say, yeah. how did
1: you know like,
0: the day you quit freelancing? It was like, wow, you really yeah, I know. you really hated it. So you were like, yeah, the day I quit. But clearly it's yeah. your son's birthday, so that makes a lot was, more sense.
1: Yeah. And so actually the third thing to happen at that time, which was actually the turning point for my career, was that my wife – uh, got the box set to Downton Abbey, the British TV series, uh, which yeah.
0: yeah, familiar story. I've heard this a million times.
1: Yeah, it's all yeah. done. So you might think oh, it's weird, like sorry. you might think, How yeah, is- getting a getting a box set to that. You know, if you're a period, I'm not a period drama fan. So for me, I was like, I was wasn't really fussed about um, uh, wasn't really fussed about uh, getting you know watching that. But it was my wife's viewing choice while she fed Zach in the evening. Okay, uh, so I was like, okay. What can I do uh, in that sort of time? Like, you know, 45 minutes or whatever it was. And I wanted to just do something with my hands. I was on the computer all the time, all day. So what could I do um, to get off there and do something with my hands? So I, I, I wanted to learn a craft. So I chose randomly chose calligraphy. So calligraphy, for those who don't know, is uh, like the art of beautiful writing. And so I, <laughs> I set, Google searched it, because I like, you know, how do you learn calligraphy? And the first thing to come up was um, the dummy's guide. So I was like, yep, that's like right on my level. So I got that book and like the recommended pens uh, and I just set to work sort of practicing. And I was like, I love this. Or I got quite obsessive with it. And over the next six months, every single day, I would practice and i practice. It would just be like a letter a day. Even if we'd been out for dinner the night before, I would come home and have to do that letter. Like 11 o'clock at night, I'd have to do that letter I was on. And so six months, I was just, yeah. And then the thing is when you're learning a craft like um uh, uh clickfeet you need to look back at what you've done to see that you're getting better otherwise you get a bit okay. demotivated because it's so incremental the little progress you get so um i used instagram to catalog my progress and uh, without knowing it i started to get a following from people like oh i love love watching this you know it's so like the so, so satisfying and so I was like posting videos and, you know, sort of stills of my progress. And so. Can uh, we hear downstabbing
0: music in the background when, when, when the videos <laughs>
1: <You can't laughs> go bad? Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so I was getting a following on there and I was enjoying it. And so I kept doing that, not knowing that, you know, what I know now about Instagram. And then um, what else slowly started to happen, because I was just posting, I was enjoying. I was enjoying, like, I'd never thought I'd be someone who was enjoying typography. You know, I used fonts, and that was about the limit of what it was. I never thought I'd, like, get into the sort of incrementals of, like, typography, lettering, and calligraphy. Um, But I was just loving it. So I was doing anything, you know, whether that was sort of some hand-drawn stuff or video me working. Um, But what also started to happen, not only did I get a following, but I also started to get designers from London agencies following me as well and so instead of you know the whole sort of getting your website in google and hoping that someone types in you know custom letterer and my name came yeah. up it was the case that i was really consistent like every day posting like monday to friday and so if a project came up uh, for custom lettering like a designer would think oh ian barnard because he's you know i was at the forefront of their mind because i was constantly on instagram and so mm-hmm. i had like one designer getting contact me from uh, who was a designer for speedo the swimmer brand and he said we got like these photos and we need some hand wrestling re- done around these photos of these people in the swimming costumes do you want to come on board and i was like uh, yeah <laughs> so um yeah because i thought i was just going to be uh, a like a local designer for local companies because mm-hmm. i live in a small town in sussex um i never thought i'd get like a brand and so they, I you know i jumped to the chance of doing this and And so, yeah, I got I got that job, and I I just felt very blessed that I could I I'd sort of niche down into something very specific in terms of 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 clickery lettering, but it opened it up to a massive area, like being I was I was a general designer, so I was doing websites, I was doing brochures, I was doing branding, I was doing whatever came on my plate because I was like I need some I need to get the money in, so I'd take on any job, but. As the lettering side started to take off, it meant that um, I could sort of get rid of some of that stuff that actually I didn't enjoy, um, mm-hmm. and I, I and and actually, the more I niche down, the more work I got with bigger clients, um, which is but, interesting. Because you yeah, go on, sorry, no, 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 go on, say, no, no, it's,
0: it's, it's always that thing of I think people are scared to niche down, so it's interesting to show. Like you so you're always the, it's always that balance of you're building your business by taking on work that pays the bills but then you build your brand by showing the work you want to get hired for and that's exactly yeah. what you were doing like you said in its and what you would hope is the more you niche down and show that commitment you can gradually start to make the transition into actually I'm getting and I'm getting picked for the work I want so I can begin to say no to the work I don't want. And it's that managing that transition. So I just wanted to make that point because I know a lot of people kind of struggle with I need to niche down, but I'm not getting the clients. So how do I balance making the money? If you know what I mean. So that was all.
1: Yeah. So I me- I remember hearing uh, one time that you had to you need to have two, like uh, a passion and a money maker stream. So you know, money making is not that interesting and not that you know, great in terms of enjoyment, but it's the thing that makes mm-hmm. money. And then you have your passion stream, which is the thing that sets you on fire, but may not be the thing that earns you the money. Mm-hmm. And like at the first I, I it was quite a while before I was actually earning any money from lettering. You know, I was starting out and I couldn't charge much because I'd never done any of this before in terms of for actual commercial purposes. Um, so, but the thing is I prioritized, which seems weird. Like at the time I was like, I prioritized posting to social media over doing my paid work, which at the time was like craziness, you know, like, and I got behind on a lot of stuff I was doing. um, But I was one enjoying it and I could see the sort of momentum I was getting. Mm -hmm. So, but I kept doing that. And then, which is like an offshoot of all this as well, which is the sort of how I became to become a full time lettering artist, was I, because i was like loving typography i started to do um i set up a shop on creative market and i started to sell uh logo templates and they were specifically vintage logo templates for Mm. uh photoshop and illustrator which designers could buy and they could put their own text in it and it was already styled had some you know vintage icon with it and stuff like that and so yeah and that brought in like no more than like a couple of hundred dollars so even less pounds uh, but yeah. it was just a side income that you know just supported my regular income and it was something I was really enjoying I just loved doing it and making those products Uh because it also meant I you know I'd post that to Instagram as well and so you know I sort of did that for quite a while and it was you know I would stayed steady income per month of that, that couple hundred dollars uh, but then I started to see certain effects that other lettering artists were applying to their lettering which was like a like a vintage stamp texture and I sort of Mm -hmm. um, I was doing a tutorial one day online and I found out about um, smart objects in Photoshop which is where you can it's like a bit of like a Photoshop inception where you can put a Photoshop file in a Photoshop file like embed it and I was like I learned about that and then also another element of it and I was like oh this is quite quite good, I've never learned about this before. And so I was able to make a product just for myself that created this effect, but also saved me time. Because obviously I was trying to post every day and that was my priority, but I needed to earn the money and not get too far behind. So I made this product called Texture Press. Um, It meant I could just like double click on this smart object, placed in my lettering I'd done for that day, save it, and it would automatically generate this texture without too much work. and I posted that and I kept posting that. And people started questioning me like, about how I produced it. And I was like, well, if it worked for me, could I spend some time in it and create a product from it? Um, mm-hmm. So I spent two weeks, solidly, like getting even hot, you know, further behind on my work, gambling all this time. So I didn't earn any money over this two weeks. Um, thinking, you know, packaging out, making some instructions, making it sort of beginner proof so that they anyone who's, you know, if you're just new to Photoshop, I could guide you through it. And it was, you know, I color-coded layers and made it sure it was something anyone could use. Um, And then I, yeah, hoped someone would buy it. Gave it to a few other lettering artists, see if they would use it. And it, uh, overnight, it went to the number, when I released it, number one on the whole store. And I was like, oh, oh, this is, happens quite well. And uh, yeah, that month transferred, from my main income being like the web design and the general design I was doing to being my side income from the shop. So I was like, hang on a minute. Maybe I'll try another product. So I released some other products. Some did completely badly. Some did really well. Um, But it was still earning me more than my other stuff. And so I was like, that's it. I sort of sacked all my other jobs, you know, got rid of the web design, you know, finished the projects I was on didn't take any anymore. And yeah, over like six months, I sort of got rid of it all um, or tried to get rid of it all. Web design seems to go on for ages, but um, and I just kept doing products. And for like two years straight, I was releasing product every two to three weeks. Um, I, my process for this was I'd go on Pinterest, I'd see something I liked, I'd break it down into like, it might be a case of like, I know, some typography mixed in with some uh, like flowers That was that was sort of quite a big thing and I was like well how how would someone who would like that effect be able to do it without the sort of because it's quite tricky and there's quite a lot of stuff goes into it how can I break that down into a product that anyone can use and create a cool effect like that and that was that was the basis to all my products looking mm-hmm. for a cool effect and see if I can make it so anyone could use it um yeah and yeah and so I was just and that and that, and I'm still living off that passive income. Passive income is a bit of a weird thing because it's like you still have to produce for products to get people to come back to your shop. But it's been my main income source for the past three or four years now. And, um, wow. uh, yeah, it's, it's getting harder to produce products because I'm like, <laughs> it feels like I've like done everything I could do. But it's just a case of, um, I used to, you know, it's a product that doesn't have a, defined end result it helps other people produce their own result at the end rather than just a static photo, like a photograph or a a finished vector or or some sort of picture it was actually something that gave the tools to someone who may not have the confidence or may not have the skills to produce something that they really love and you know like like you did with the
0: uh yes i'm that person
1: (laughs) so (laughs) so yeah so that is that has been and then what that did was mean that i could then you know i could make products while spending time on my instagram so that supported my instagram posting and i then got into youtube and started to do tutorials of lettering and typography effects and um yeah reviews uh, but all, i'm still i i'm still at the moment where instagram isn't really making me any money i i'm start because i to so long and i've grown an audience i'm starting to get sponsored now because i've got that engaged audience i've spent five years building something up um and now i'm in a position where i'm sort of like actually yeah you know i i'm finding it harder to make products so i'm putting a lot more effort into the social media side so youtube especially because it's a brand awareness because I'm always on the video. Uh, I try and be in the thumbnails because then people get to know who I am, my mannerisms, my the way I teach, the way I speak, and stuff like that. So, um, and yeah, and with Instagram, I'm producing more products specifically for lettering, which is what my audience is. So for now, I'm using the iPad a lot. I produce brushes for that that are specifically for lettering. And they, you know, and that seems to be doing well. And I so suppose I sort of evolve with how my audience evolves, and working with what they're after rather than it used to be a case I just do whatever I think looks nice. Whereas now I'm yeah. a bit more focused on actually what can help my audience to achieve uh, better lettering, or what can it achieve to help them make it easier to get to where they want to get uh, in terms of their lettering. So. Uh, I think that brings me up to where I am now. So, I'm... <laughs> no, that's great. That's that's really insightful.
0: Like I said, it's um, I, I was aware of some of it, having been one of those people you were helping along the way. Um, but I think it's it's you, you know you're very frank and honest about that thing of a lot of it is kind of just naturally evolving over time and um and the amount of time you have to put into making these things work and the consistency. And I think, like you say, it's that thing of you've built a very big audience. Um, and it's now, after say five or six years, you're starting to slowly see a return on that. Um, mm. I think for me that's really it's really good to hear, because I think a lot of people have sold the dream that um, it's easy to build an audience, and you can immediately monetize that audience and be making six figures a month while lying on the beach. I think there's a lot of hucksters selling that rubbish out there. So yeah, I think it's you know, like i said it's it's one of those things that um, I'm always keen to give people a realistic expectations of how long this will take and it is the mm-hmm. sort of tortoise and the hair thing of being consistent over a long period of time is what's really going to set you apart and even with like clients and getting clients you know networking anything like that you know it can be 12 to 18 months lead time before you actually land the job but it's much it takes the pressure off when you know actually well look if this is going to take me five years to build a meaningful audience that then I might start to attract sponsors to actually you know supplement my income I think that's a good it's a good story to hear because not enough people are prepared to share that side of their of what they're doing. You know, they love to project a sort of uh, who they think they should be rather than who they are sort of thing. So, that, no, it's really, really great insights.
1: I think it comes down to, two like the risk and reward. You know, mm-hmm. I risked, I suppose, a lot of money in terms of not getting any money in by doing something like, you know, Instagram and YouTube over a long period of time. So like, even now, after years and years of YouTube, just on AdSense, I only get like $60, $70 per month. And if you mm-hmm. think I like, you know, I was releasing like a one video a week, which would take me two days. And if you think that's like, you know, so each video was like, it gets about like, I know, a dollar. <laughs> yeah, And that doesn't cover two days production time. Uh, but I can see the value uh, in terms of... The, it's like an investment, you know, it, very yeah. much like, you know, if you want to invest in the stock market, you can't just put some money in now and then think one month later, you're going to get, I know, £10,000 back in. It's the case of you had to put it in and then wait 10 years and see what happens. And, and that's what my... It hasn't been something I started at the beginning, but now I realise that actually if I can keep going, because people, I think people are getting less patient in terms of the long-term game. Because like, I think Amazon hasn't helped with this with like, you know, next day delivery and then it's suddenly next hour delivery. And you think it's just gonna be instant. You're gonna post a few things and you're gonna be, like you say, driving out the Lambo and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, yeah, and I think it is no, there's no realistic, uh, it's not like that at all. You know, my my income comes up and down um every month, and so, but I know that if I keep going, and I've like I've done five years, but I think you know, even in like another five years, I will start. You know, all these revenue streams will become a sort of sustainable income, but it's only because I've put risk all that time doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all free really some of it is sort of like roundabout way where I get paid if they come to my shop or something like that, or I get sponsored or something like that, but it's still like few and far between. And so, but I can see what, like what others have done before, how if you're regular, you, you don't focus on the money, you're passionate or what you do that you will get rewarded for that time you put in. Um, and people just, you know, I, I'm able to now, um, you know, companies approach me to speak for them. And I'm like, you know, that's, nothing happened for like five years and now it's starting to happen. So I think you have to have that really long-term game, that marathon, like you say, marathon, not a sprint, Um, but it's so true. And you're just rewarded for putting in that time and effort, really. It's just hard. It's hard work because you're just not getting any, anything back for it. And I think that's why you have to have uh, that sort of like, the boring bit, which is like the income to support the yes. passions.
0: But I think it's it like, because I guess you're stockpiling digital assets, so they're evergreen, so they're all kind of accumulating together and they compound because the more you create, the more people can discover you and go back through your content and re-consume it. But it's it's yeah. true, I think that's the, the, the tough bit. It's so, so much effort up front to actually get around to doing it, let alone overthinking what you should be doing. And then yeah. when you launch it and it's like, oh, nothing really changes. Yeah, I've put in all that effort. But you have to stay, like you say, you have to kind of, you're investing in yourself, you're going, look, this is a long term thing. I know that I'm going to be thankful that I started this. But I have to see it true. And I have to kind of not expect too much from it. And I think that's, like I said, when it goes really well, you're kind of level headed. And when it doesn't go so well, you're level headed, because it's, it's the longer term thing. And I think for me, that that's always It's very easy to start something and get disillusioned and drop it and try and start something else and i think sometimes that's always exciting and exhilarating but it's a mistake and sometimes that i would always encourage people to be patient but consistent so i think like you say you saying i kind of it's you know it's a lot of work but it's actually you know i'm 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 can see now i'm beginning to reap the rewards and i think that is so true when you say like stocks if you'd spent money buying shares in amazon or facebook when it first came out and it's like after a few years it's like yeah it's doing okay but i'm not that impressed fast forward five ten years and you're like yeah do you know what i'd have to do anything i'm just completely set up because it's gone up in value massively and so mm-hmm. i think that's important so when it comes to i guess thinking of digital products i like the approach you're saying you would look at pinterest and go that's quite cool i'm going to kind of replicate that but now you're saying you're more responsive to your audience and i know that there's always that thing of you should try and solve a problem because Mm -hmm. you don't want to sort of take time creating a product that there's possibly not a demand for. So what would you, if you're advising people on sort of who are looking to do this and I'm hoping to speak to sort of Dustin Lee of, you know, retro Supply, same thing, but huge fan of his products. And it's kind of, um, you know, even I've considered what could I put on creative market? I think it gets harder because more and more people are on it. But when it comes to thinking about digital products, what's your kind of, process or where do you look for inspiration or how can you spot say trends of things as they're emerging? What do you look for?
1: Um I think I, I look for things that excite me. I you mean know, I spoke about like I was just looking at random things that I just like the look of and I try and replicate them. But it is, you know, you look around and you see the things that get maybe like for me, you know, I'm specifically in lettering and typography. You know, I follow feeds and see what they start sharing. Um, or, you know, I, I see an effect that I think that's pretty cool. And then I look at the comments and see if there's loads of people saying, well, how do you create this? Can you show me how to do it? Can I see a tutorial? And then I thought, well, maybe. It doesn't always work, though, because there's some effects that just don't, I can't work out how to, Like I can work out how to do the effects, but I, it's just, you can't put it into a product. And I Or yeah. I have an idea. And I have to shelve it for a while. You have like a, you know, you know, do you know, like you know when you marinate some chicken or whatever. Yes. It's, I I get quite frustrated because I just want to eat it now. But you know that the flavour will be more intense if you leave it overnight. Say. Yes. Yeah. I'm just trying to cook it up now, and you know, just dusting it with it. And it's the same with the products. You might have an idea but you haven't got like a clear vision of how you are going to put that together and stuff like that. So there's been quite a few that I'll just put it to one side and said, okay, I'll just leave that for a minute. It may never come to fruition, but sometimes I do it. And then I looking for something on the internet and I suddenly stumble across maybe like a tutorial or a uh, a post or something like and it clicks and I can suddenly, I've got the missing piece that's helped me to put it together. Um, and oh, that's
0: what comedians say when they're writing bits it's like they have a premise of this could be good yeah. but they don't quite know how to work it into a set and then they'll kind of come back to it and then they'll find like the missing bit someone will say something and be like ah now I know how to fix it and I and I, I like that idea because it's kind of I know I have projects which I'll talk about and then I eventually will start six months later but the whole time I've been thinking about it you know in my downtime you have that thing of you just keep putting a bit more investment into it. And then like you say, there comes a time where it all comes together.
1: Yeah. And so, and you have to be not precious about it. Cause like there's some things that like, I really wanted to try and achieve, but it just, the technology wasn't possible. Um, It was just too complicated. Just wasn't up to what I thought was the standard I wanted to push out. And so like, actually I, you know, I just got to let that one go and not really worry about it. And so, and just move on and just forget about it and just try something else and the thing is with me it's that you have to push out a lot of ideas or bad ideas to get some good ideas so you know like some of my products have sold like 10 which you know the amount of time i put in it is not really worth the effort but yes you have to know that it's just like it's like a sort of like mountain valley some things some things like have been really popular and some things have been really unpopular but you have to go through that you can't just be on a constant mm-hmm. high all the time you can't just nail it nail you know product after product um you just need to keep putting it out there and be regular and you know so like you know Instagram being regular with your products as well um and yeah the ones i i suppose, there's some products I've known were going to do well just because of the response from me posting about it. So I like may have an idea and I did a collaboration with another lettering artist called Stefan uh, Kunz uh, and people were really struggling with compositions with their lettering. And we were like, well, how, well, he, he first produced some like pre pre pre-designed,
0: grid builder isn't it that's amazing yeah this is that's... grid builder so this yeah. is a
1: set of brushes this is a set of grids which we turned into brushes uh in procreate which is the ipad app and finity designer and photoshop and illustrator as well so i made it for a range of stuff but um so rather than like Stefan had already produced some um pre-made ones uh which people could sort of fill in themselves um and then i was thinking well how can we take that idea and make it so that it gives, their, gives the person producing the work the ability to make their own ones so they have, so it's not looking like everyone else's. And so, yeah, we designed these ones where they could just combine all these different grids into a composition. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I would post some time-lapse videos of me using them before they were available. And you know you're on a hit when people go, uh, you know, they sort of say, take my money. That's always a good, yeah. <laughs> good sign. And I you know, get tons of, work, where can I get these? You know, And so and then what we did, and what I did do in the past was I had a set of like a group of people which I would um, beta test the product and just say, what yeah. do you think of this? Um, and they'd give me some feedback and stuff like that. And that's what we did with the product. We had a limited run of people to buy it. And which like, was amazing because it's like, sold out in like 10 minutes uh they then we gave, and in that we gave them an opportunity to give us some feedback and we we offered it was like 100 uh, copies of it and only like about a handful of that actually gave us some feedback but it was really helpful to tweak it and to change it and then when we released it it did really well and so it it's you know um it's just giving people you know the reason why that was Did really well was because and and it's often happens is it was helping me and it was helping Stefan and it enabled other people to give them confidence so they're they're normally the products that you can it's like where you know it's sort of like a a perfect storm where they come sort of come together it's helping someone produce some awesome work um uh, and it yeah and it's easy fairly easy to use and yeah, we made sure everything was something, yeah, you know, it was available for a lot of people, and and so yeah. And but then you it was can't interesting always...
0: process, though, isn't it? I mean, because I love the bit when you said, I sometimes look in the comments to see if people are if there's a demand for it, and that yeah. thing of you, because you, I'm just wondering, like, if you were to put down a sort of structure, you go, Okay, I'm looking for something that would help me, but possibly either looks cool or helps you, and you're going, Okay, so if I've got my own interest this is something I can make for me and it might not always do well commercially. But I really like the idea that there's a collaboration element of working with other people to see if there is not only like um, something they've been contacted about or their following have commented on, but then you can collaborate together. And then I like the fact you're teasing the audience by showing you using a, like a beta version or beta version of it. Yeah. And then you send that out to sort of core people to test and give feedback and then within that feedback and you refine it and obviously the work they do with it is really good for promotion and their testimonials and then you could launch it so i think it's i'm just trying to think as it, me someone listening if i i always think if you can have like you say some sort of passive income sort of in another way and i'll i can go into this deeper on another podcast but i think um like i sell designs you know on redbubble i don't think about it i don't really push it but it's that thing of like you say it brings in money about 150 quid a month it's nothing but it's quite nice because it just pays for little bits and bobs mm. but it's one of those ones that um i think i'd always encourage people to do it so breaking down some sort of process where you can try and determine there's a demand for it and then the process of like say teasing the audience testing it refining it before finally launching it that sounds like a sort of good thing to be to replicate
1: yeah and i and the thing is you that uh, it's quite hard to do that product every single time, though. So some, mm-hmm. like sometimes, you know, I'll release a uh, set of brushes. I've set a uh, set of brushes with like chalk version, you know, chalk brushes for this for the iPads, and it, you know, it did didn't do as well as the grid builder, but it did really well. But you have to like, and then I produce some other ones, which like um because you can't get fonts in Procreate, you I produce some brushes that were like letters so people could put letters into their work and you know that they though that product i knew wasn't like, i have products i know they're not going to do like amazingly well but they just might help a few people and it's yeah. another source of income and it's me pushing out another product which means i can push out like a maybe another email or another um um uh you know something else on my uh, like Instagram story saying you know this is this is here and then it brings them back and they see the other products. I think it's that sort of thing that sometimes you have like a is it a lost leader? I think Amazon do yes, this all the time yeah. where they have a product which costs they lose money on, but because the person is in the shop, they may buy other things with it. So I think of that you know that I I try and release products regularly so that people keep coming back even if it's not to buy that product or uh it's just a, like they they look at that and go oh what else does that person have on their shop so yes I think-
0: that's what supermarkets do isn't it they put all that sort of stuff near the front to sort of drag people in um and like you say it's another excuse just to remind people you're out there and it's the consistency you talked about it's mm-hmm. that thing of always showing up and always delivering so that people remind you sort of you remind people who you are and that's that's the big thing it's the awareness isn't it just staying on their radar
1: yeah um well I had another point that was really helpful for uh selling stuff. or was it? Um
0: What about creative market though? Because that's so saturated. That'd be my only thing. I'd be slightly hesitant of like when you when you jumped on you were probably one of the first people on there who were doing, you know, so it was not easier because your products are still great, but there's a certain thing of um I think if I was to sort of start now, I'd be slightly intimidated by how i would get the exposure you know like it's yeah. the thing of whenever i go on there it's the same kind of products these sort of endless bundles of hand written typefaces time- yeah. which i'm not that yeah. not that you know bothered by um and occasionally you see products that break through like mock-ups and stuff but i guess that would be the thing slightly i'd be put put off by thinking i want to do this but like am i just going to get swamped in the sheer volume of products on creative market so if i was to say what would help you crack creative market? What would you say?
1: Um, like original products are like the thing that do really well. So mm-hmm. yeah, like you say, to, like, to be honest and it, it's not as it used to be because the thing is like with everything, something becomes popular. It just gets flooded with people joining it, um, similar products. So, uh, yeah, it might be a certain style of, like, brush script fonts. And so there's a million and one brush script fonts on there now where there used to be only a handful. So I think, um, yes, and that's quite hard, coming up with original products, obviously. And that normally comes from combining a couple of elements that may not have been done before or using technology. So, uh, you know, jumping on board, like, the iPad is really popular at the moment. So that's why I'm focusing heavily on that because... Uh, like procreate brushes are overtaking photoshop brushes in terms of sales so it seems like a no-brainer to actually focus on those um uh looking at like trends of fonts and trying to come up with a new a new one that's focused on what's look what's trending uh you know what trends might be going in you know, coming in and so focusing on that trying to get ahead of the game it's trying to think like okay what can i produce that is coming up right yeah which is a tricky one so like i may spend a lot of time just research to trying to find out what's what's trending what's a bit different what could be made you know because you could set it's a case that you could set your own trends by producing something you know digitally that no one else has sort of thought would be would be good so um but the thing is i
0: It's tough. I've noticed there's someone like like shadows, mock-ups, like you put shadows across your mock-ups. It's like a small thing, but you sort of notice it and you go, oh, that's interesting. Then in about two weeks later, there's about five copycats. So it's that thing of, like I said, it's an intangible thing. I just was curious to know if you had like a, just something where you can, it's like spotting waves when you're surfing. You know, there's always that thing of I can spot the big one coming up and in time to try and catch it. But it's, yeah, that was all I was wondering. It's tough.
1: Yeah, it, It. it's tough but i think it's just trying to think outside the box really the more you can i, I always think how can it help people how is it different from the product that's already there uh, i don't always answer these questions but it's yeah. it's just thinking but what i found recently is actually my own store now i've got a audience and you don't need like a massive amount of following you just need an engaged audience who love your products because like um, I think it's terms of 1,000 true fans. Mm-hmm. And if you if you have that 1,000 true fans and you release one product a month and it only costs $5 or £5, you know, that's £5,000 per month. That's a lot of money. So, yeah, you know, you don't, and, but you don't have to have, you know, millions of followers. You just have to have people who love your stuff. And you do that by, um, like I have this thing where I, I look at, what i'm posting and i try and answer yes to one or more of these questions so like does it inspire people um is the post inspirational and the description um especially on instagram i feel that the description is just as important as the the actual visual that they see mm-hmm. um and it that inspire. you know why um why have you chosen this particular quote to letter or put up here what does it mean to you not in terms of like you know because it's popular you you, you put it because okay in my journey this has happened you know i really struggle with this and uh, this means a lot to me because and people really resonate with that honesty and actual your story so that's like the first question i ask second question is does it uh does it helpful is it helpful does it help people for me it's like i do a lot of teaching so i do like you know, how to draw a letter S because it's quite a difficult letter to draw. Um, or I show the time lapse process from beginning to end of a piece I do. Because, and then I in the description put, you know, what pens I might have used, what brushes I might have used, um, going through the steps of how I got there, the materials, the brands that I used, and stuff like that, you know, because people want to know those questions. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you're open and honest with, you know, because a lot of people think, oh, if I tell people how my, about my process they're going to copy it and then suddenly they're going to produce work but the thing is you're experienced at doing your process and it's unique to your process so you know don't it builds trust if you can actually give away uh your secrets and i feel like i've grown more by the more i've given away than kept to myself yeah um and so that's the second one and the third one is does it spark a strong emotion so is it like or is it you showing yourself do um you know you see these ones of people doing sort of like uh wood turning you know making a bowl from some used skateboards or you know it brings that aura like wow wow, that's amazing or someone doing like a, a fine art painting or you know drawing an eye that's like really perfectly and and does it so is it like awe inspiring or is it funny you know like the like i sometimes do ones like you know i suppose vegetable calligraphy is like me doing something with it. it's a bit weird a bit like that's a bit different um or you know, cats jumping and then missing where they're trying to jump. That's you know the thing that uh, people like that it? laughter, that escapism. Uh, and then there's a side that, like the sad side. You know, the emotional. You know, uh, uh, or angry or frustrated. Uh, the middle, somewhere in the middle, is the worst place where it doesn't spark any emotion because then you get yeah. no engagement. It's just quiet. You know what I found, especially on YouTube, is that. Um, like thumbs down are actually quite good for engagement, you know, because people leave the thumbs down and then the comment, which is better yes. than people just like, well, oh, whatever, you know, actually, actually getting a reaction, whether it's good or bad is a good thing. Yeah. And it projects your, uh, the algorithm loves that. And so you're like, I've got a video on there where I, I I have a, like a thousand comments because I, I'd written out the whole uh, serif alphabet uh, I've done it in like little videos on Instagram, and I put it together in a compilation on YouTube. But one of them was like lowercase r in a whole series of uppercase things, just because I was trying to mix it up and it looked nicer as a lowercase thing. And I've, like every other comment is like, "I'm so angry that you put a lowercase r in there." <laughs> but you know, at first I was like, "Oh, I'm really," you know, felt really a bit hurt. <laughs> and now I'm like, I'm like, this all just brings me more traction. And it's great, you know, that frustration they're feeling and they're expressing it and it means that my video does better. So actually I'm like, you know, sort of bring on the haters a bit because it just, you know, pushes it further forward. So uh, for more people to find out. Not that I actively actively go out my way to make people angry. It's just that it's a byproduct of something I thought was going to be a good thing and it actually, yeah, caused people to be quite frustrated. But, you know... You know, it's and interesting you say like, that
0: because people hate the... They, they're always scared of negativity and you always want to sort of slide to the safe space in the middle. But yeah. like you say, it's either make me laugh or piss me off, but don't make me bored. And that's yeah, the thing. Exactly. in the It's like, don't play safe. You know, actually show a bit of emotion. And like you say, you want to wind people up enough to provoke a reaction. And I think that's, from a strategic point of view, it's quite interesting that you would do that because, it, like you said, that really got to people. And you might go, well, actually, you're just... You're just giving me ideas to just piss you off a little bit more because I want I want to engage some sort of debate. But I've also noticed on your comments that you reply a lot. You're very um, yeah. You're I very try to sometimes.
1: Sometimes it's just uh, out of my. I, I could spend all day just replying. You know, if it's the thing is what I found um, with videos especially and on Instagram is that I could do one of me writing with a traditional pen writing out you know it looks really nice looks really beautiful uh and no it won't do very well not many comments not many you know not much engagement or uh, exposure <laughs> I, you know i write with a vegetable boom you know suddenly all the way around the internet you know it's not pretty it's not uh it doesn't look like uh you know it's not like well crafted. where'd you get that
0: paper from What's, what brand yeah. of pepper is that? I want to buy one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but
1: you know, I it's it's because two things. It's when like what I found over my experience is that the internet loves two things that don't normally go together. So yeah. for me, it was like a vegetable and clickery They they if they're on their own, they're not weird. But you put those two things together, and suddenly, yeah, you know, it, it it's it's too familiar. You know, the vegetable is a familiar thing um yeah and 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 the click is that are awe-inspiring thing and it comes together and it just for some reason uh, the internet love it so things that aren't most beautiful some uh, mm-hmm. like it just may be random as me experimenting in terms of just you know trying to push outside the box of what things can be lettered it, it it does bring me more exposure and more people you know engaging with my content uh so every so often i will do something random because it just for me, it helps in my ideas, just doing something outside of what it's like this playful mentality to get outside of just doing the normal things I do. Um it, you know, it engages more people, it uh, entertains. And so and that's the reason why I do it, because it just it it helps me to come up with new ideas, even though it might not look the prettiest um or it's not like that professional. Um it's and it's part of my personality. I think that's something that I I've come to realize, I think, I think I found it like the mid, my mid thirties, I start to realize how I work, how I function and, and implementing that into my work and knowing that's okay, that I can't stick to one style for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, actually, that's how I work. If you can understand how you work, you can, it, it makes it easier and less stressful. And also uh, people resonate with it because they can like oh this is why he does all this because that's his personality rather than trying to fit into a mold of i need i need one certain style you know of lettering to be known for uh if you look through my feed yeah. i have loads of styles so i think that's something that has really helped my business knowing how i function uh but I. was saying- like
0: no, no. Sorry. I was going to say, keep going. Sorry. I can't cut you off.
1: I okay, can't. I don't know. <laughs> don't worry. I can't. Sorry. Sorry. But I remember you saying before, because you just
0: finished giving a talk at Apple and you were saying about um, overcoming creative block. I just wanted to get that in there because I know that you were saying that like, doing things that are a bit more, ex- more experimental and a bit more unusual was like, so how you keep engaged, but also that helps that for you. I thought you could just expand on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so um, actually the Apple Talk was in conjunction with like a a charity, I think it's it's called The Big Draw, and they're trying to encourage people that creative thinking is more than just for the arts, it's for all businesses and how just drawing can open up ideas for business, for infrastructure that wouldn't normally come about, um, but opening up your brain through experimentation, through drawing, through that creativity and so it really worked well with the sort of my feed because I, I had, did have a question at the end and said, "Well, what do you do about creative block?" Uh, the first thing I said was, "I do suffer from it a lot, especially when I'm trying to post something new to Instagram all the time. It's just like I sit, I sit in my studio, and I'm just like, I've got nothing. I literally, my brain is just like gone off on holiday." And I like, I like looking around. I'm looking at my usual processes, which is like, in, like I go on Pinterest or another site called Design Inspiration and. Like I look at that and nothing, it's just like a blank page. Um, So then I I have a set of like um, things that I use that sometimes, not always, sometimes help my inspiration. So it might be the case that like uh, doing some sport or it might be uh, going to the supermarket because there's such a typographical array of branding there that that sometimes sparks off something. Uh, traveling, going somewhere else, uh, talking to people, sometimes just talking to people about something unrelated to design, but they might say something in a certain way, and it sparks an idea in my head. I'll go, oh, that could really work. Um, Using different tools for what I do, um, uh, like learning a new skill. I might go on some of these online learning things that I have subscriptions for, and I might learn how to do something that I don't normally do. Like maybe watercolor is not something I normally do. So I learned something about that. Or I might learn something about photography and there might be something inside that course that's not related to what I do, but sparks off an idea. It's just, rather than it being like, I have this grand idea come to my head, it's usually little sparks setting off a bigger fire inside me from other sources. And I think it's not forcing that inspiration. I think I find it, you know, it's, it's it's saying okay i haven't got anything at the moment i'll go and like getting up going and trying something different getting out of your comfort zone sometimes brings on a, uh new ideas um but saying that i get most of my ideas in the shower so you know and that's yeah. that it's that that you know the thing is like with the shower is that you go in there just to like you know wash yourself and you know fresh you don't go in there to work and i think that's disconnection from uh like you know, because when I'm at my desk, it's work mode, and I think yeah. the problem is that sometimes you get in like, okay, I should be getting loads of ideas, but I'm sitting here and nothing's happening. Uh, what's wrong? And so you're just stuck here when actually, you know, ideas happen sometimes, or a lot of the time for me outside of the studio. So um, I think it's 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 that break for the norm, and that um, whatever industry you're in, I think it's really good to just do something different you know yes. draw or uh, do some painting whatever it may be doesn't matter your level of talent or whatever you you know how well you can draw it's i think it just helps your brain to disconnect from the pressures of what you're trying to do uh, and come up with new ideas so uh, i hope that I does that, that make sense true. in terms of
0: absolutely no no i'm really big on um i think the shower is important as well i like to look at um, low-level activities which can occupy my conscious that allows my subconscious to kind of be more sort of uh, exploratory so I think of it like a babysitter and the baby the kid they're babysitting and you want the babysitter to be busy so that they can't quite pay attention to the baby enough so it's whether they're on the phone or they're doing the washing up or something so for me that would be showering walking uh, drawing driving doing things like that where I'm kind of I can daydream a little bit, but I've, my yeah. brain has got to focus on driving the car or doing the washing up or hoovering. Mm. Um, these are all very unexciting, mundane tasks. But funnily enough, I find if I just sort of let my brain go, I can I can totally come up with other things and connect the dots. But as you say, I think the key is, like you said, you're, you're doing something different, which is more stimulating. Otherwise, yeah. I think if you don't have that stimulus, uh, it's just quite boring. So I think it's yeah. a balance of I need to... F- fill my brain with stimulus and then try and allow it that time to percolate and marinate and then try and just take the pressure off so no I don't know, that makes a lot of sense but just as um, i think
1: sorry i think just like how important rest is because i think you think you know I, I on the internet there's a lot of people talking about oh you must you know hustle 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 all the time like 24 7 and i'm like actually like your muscles in your body there's a lot of work that goes in To them growing when you're resting. And so, and the same with the creative muscle, you need to leave it. You have to step away from especially, I think, like social media and stuff like that. Um, and I find it sometimes find it hard because I use it so much it's easy to become addicted just to checking, you know, comments and stuff like that. But just I think what helps for me is I have kids and I can they, you know, I want to give them my attention and I don't want to be one of those dads that's just constantly on the phone as they're like, yeah. you're you're playing with them," but they're like, I'm looking at my phone, and so so like, yeah, my son has like football on a Saturday morning, and just being outside and it being something that's not related to the design, and you know, out in the open, it's just clearing my head and focusing on other things, focusing on other people. I think really helps come back Monday morning to be refreshed and to you know, m- new ideas to come. Come out and come through. Not that it always works, but I think you just need to discipline yourself to get off the computer and get off uh, devices that stop your mind, you know, because it's you know, otherwise your mind's just firing all the time. It just can't it can't it's exhausting, keep up. isn't it? Yeah. So
0: no, that's really great. And so I guess um, because I know I've I've taken up a lot of your time, so I think what you've said about Um, trying to come up with ideas for digital products is is really insightful and how you maintain a community and as you say it's more the engagement is more important than the sort of size necessarily Um, are there any kind of I guess any sort of resources or like who do you look up to for inspiration or guidance or things you kind of fall back on I know you mentioned like looking at Pinterest design inspiration that type of thing if I was to Say what sort of three tips would you recommend for people who are possibly looking to kind of either start growing uh, a community or doing some online sort of products? What would you recommend? What would be your top things um, to remember?
1: I think that actually, you know, if you grow the audience first, obviously you can try doing products, but it'd be a bit more like shooting in the dark, really, you know, just thinking what might might help, which is what I did at the first. You know, it, I I didn't I, – I liked – stuff i was producing it just so happened it resonated with an audience but um something that uh, really helped with some of my products is just asking the audience what do you struggle with and they they love answering that question and like for for the grid builder one it was the majority of people were struggling composition so it's taking that and they oh how can i help people what is it about composition that they struggle with? Why why do they have a lack of confidence in putting together this and work? Then you'd like, you know, re- re-engineer it if you can. I suppose sometimes like they've come up with something and it was like, it, it might be a case that there's already a ton of stuff out there already. And it's like a lot of work to do it. And it's not really gonna bring much in it because it's like, well, I can just point them in this direction to help them. And I think it's, it's okay to, Ask people and they say, give you a list of stuff. And actually, they will trust you more if you say, actually, why don't you go and see this person? This person does a really good job of um, producing that Um, because then that just builds more trust, you know, rather than just everything's about the money. they You know, it's that sort of giving value, giving, 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 and then asking for stuff. Um, Yeah, just think of your audience as someone like, you know, you're sitting with a mate and just chatting and saying, how can I help you? You want to mm-hmm. have that sort of relationship that you can produce something that they then don't mind paying for because it actually, the value that you're giving them is is going to quicken their process. It's going to give them more confidence. Um, it's Yeah, so other things would be just making sure that it's the best you can make it. Things that I suppose I found people respond well to is the fact that I've not just, Here's a product. Dumped it. They have to work out what to do. And I've been on receiver. I've bought products in the past, and they've been really hard to use. They haven't had the instructions, and I was just like, you know, as someone who's quite experienced in Photoshop Illustrator, I didn't quite understand how it worked and it didn't work exactly how I wanted it. So, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that's not the the, the you know at the forefront. So I. You know I spend a lot of time on just producing instructions. So you make the whole experience if you think about when people come and see you, it's all about the experience. So, you know, they come and see me, they I want you know, the experience they get is that they learn from me or they're inspired by me. They go away uh, not going away, you know, with like, oh that was a waste of my time. They come away going, oh that was really that post was really helpful that post was um or well, that product really helped me and it was easy to use then they go and tell their friends or they leave a comment on the thing saying it's you know thank you for this has really helped my work and so uh yeah and the structure has really helped and and so you want you don't want because i i bought a product the other day the actual physical product and it was Mm -hmm. it was being sent from quite a way away and i said oh i haven't received it yet and i said what happens if i don't receive it and they were like oh it's not much i can do and that left me feeling like well i spent this money and it's you know someone got lost in the post or something and you're like that's all you can do i feel really i'm not going to promote you to my friends or my contacts you know some i think you have to do businesses where they're like the best you can, you know, if you treat your customer well. I, I've had customers who have really struggled with some of my products just because uh, they, just, you know, maybe a real, real beginner and they just they. I've I've said maybe this product is not for beginners. You need experience in Photoshop, and they bought it, not reading all that. And so I've like I say, I'll oh, hear you know I'll give you a refund. You, you know, and the thing with digital products, they don't. There's no like physical uh, thing. And so, give me giving uh, a refund is not a bigger hardship. Or actually, something I normally do is if someone's like saying, Oh, I'm not really happy with this product, because you're going to get people like that, then I say, Well, look, I'm sorry you're disappointed with it. Why don't you choose another product from my shop? You know, because that experience of me being friendly and nice and not jumping and going, Well, you shouldn't have bought it in the first place, you should have redo this. Well, you know, you don't know who you're speaking to and how, you know, they might be on the like leader of a big design team. And they were like, actually, I love the way he responded there. Let's buy some more of his products and stuff like that. So I think it's biting your tongue when customers come and uh, and say bad things about your things. <laughs> you know, because I get a lot of stuff in comments and I have to really bite my tongue because if I upset people, and that might be a potential customer, I say. Uh, I think there's a, there's a lot that surrounds just making the product that can help boost the product or make the experience better. Say. sorry, but It I sounds like you...
0: Over... <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing that I took away was uh, it's about being generous. It's a, everything you do, you put a lot of care and consideration in. So whether it's the thing of I'm going to think about how is this going to be helpful before I create it, and then when I create it, I'm going to really road test it and be really thorough in the, all the instructions. And if people are responding, I'm going to reply or I'm going to hear what they have to say and be and get, try and give my full attention to the answer. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're doing with your social media. Every post, you're trying to think of what's going to be helpful for my audience. Can I provoke an emotion or make it memorable? So I'm going to put time into the thinking about the caption, the time into the, you know, it's the content and the context is huge. But then also when they reply, you're going to take time to reply. I think it seems to me, The overall theme is, you know, if you're going to do this, you have to be in it for the long haul. You have to be committed and you have to do it properly, which means I have to be generous in giving away quite a lot of myself, whether that's my knowledge or my time or just being responsive. And I think that's huge because, you know, it's not easy, but I think it does long term. It really forms genuine, a really strong bond. And I look at someone you work with, Tom at Design Cuts. he's, He's all about that. Um, and you know watching him and how generous he is you know I fear for his sort of health and sanity because he's like he's so generous but I think that's the key to building up relationships that are really long-lasting and I know that people who I've helped months ago or years ago just by taking the time to really listen they still remember that and I think like you say, that's the thing you build your community because you want to be generous and helpful and then once you've built a little bit of a platform then you have an audience that you can then sort of ask questions to and build products off the back of that, which makes complete sense because they're the people who will champion what you're gonna be promoting and they're gonna give you sincere feedback, which is gonna make it only better. So I think it's, yeah, it's huge because people underestimate the time it takes and you can't half-ass it. You can't just put everything on automatic and schedule everything and have apps to do it for you. I think that's where the opportunity is, is actually you're, you're accessible and available. Um, but then also knowing when to step away and maybe take some time out to go and watch Downton Abbey. You know, these things are important.
1: <laughs> and i could um, <laughs> uh, give you an example of how uh, a companies done socially really well is that Crispy uh, uh, Creme Donuts use yeah. one of my fonts. You know, they bought the font and they used it, or whoever the design team used it on one of their posters advertising their new Nutella donuts a few years ago. And so I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is something I can sort of, you know, shout about. And so on Twitter, I say, oh, look, you know, Krispy Kreme, used my font on their post. How cool is that? And they go, uh, have uh, a gift card for a free donut every month for a year. So, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I, you know, I tell all my friends about it and sort of that. And it's just like, you know, it didn't cost them anything, but that just that like generosity means that I then talked about that for ages afterwards and promoted them with no uh just because it was like a good experience and i was just thinking Mm -hmm. how you know you look at you look on twitter if you have a bad experience and you go on twitter and you you talk about it and it doesn't reflect well on a company so you know but it works the other way around if you do a really good experience you think about how well um you know because word of mouth is still the most popular form of communication you know people telling even if it's on digital people telling other people about because i get often get like people tagging friends in so saying oh this is the count i told you about he often gives tips away about lettering and that's what you know that's a great way of you know other people promoting you rather than yourself (laughs) if you get to that stage where people are promoting you because you offer so much value that's just that's like the dream really isn't it to uh, you know, getting business is other people taking it, and I I always make an analogy on uh, on on my podcast show about a builder. And just if you have a good experience with a builder, then people come to you and say, "Oh, can you ex- can you give us a, a name of the builder you trust and recommend?" You give them then. If that builder delivers uh, beyond your expectations, the good quality job, the communication is done well. Uh, you know how long a project's going to take if there's any problems, they communicate that and there's the same that's that's a local thing, and that same thing works throughout the internet. you know if you can over deliver, give value, communicate well, uh, respond to the communication, you're gonna get people you know speaking well of you and recommending to other people and I think that works through a whole every industry I think so.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 and also it's not always easy to try and make the digital experience something that is, uh, makes an emotional connection. And I think, like I said, eat a lot, having run hotels and restaurants, I know that that's such a big part of it. But some, like, I think people often overlook the digital. It's like, well, how do I make a Photoshop file feel, you know, em- provoke an emotional reaction? But it, a lot of it comes down to what it does for that person and, and how you respond. And I know that I've certainly recommended, because it is, I'll do some work. Your, one of your products will make it look amazing. And I'll go, yeah, it's not me. It's this guy. And I'll tag you in it. And it's like, like you say, it's the perfect endorsement because you've been receptive if I've had a question and also your product's been good. So I think, um, I, I guess it's the, the big thing, the takeaway, because people would have heard this stuff before, but it's just being aware of the time and effort you're going to have to sacrifice to make this work. But if you do, then there is a real opportunity to really go big. And I think the future certainly... Is, is digital and it's a global marketplace. And so if you can get this right and you can start building your following and building digital products, it can only help you um, as you try and, you know, like I said, it gives you more options to possibly say no to those clients who might offer you good money, but you don't particularly want to take the work. Mm. So no, that's been amazing, Ian. Like I really appreciate sort of hearing your insight and and tips and everything. Where can people f- stay in touch and follow you and um, harass you on, on Instagram and leave nasty comments? I,
1: I Right. the
0: algorithm
1: <laughs> just ian barnard on whatever platform you are on if you start searching my name it sort of pops up somewhere because I, I tried to get the same handle on everything but you know it's like you were late to the party and then you have to put hash like, i have to put a hyphen in somewhere or had to write, yeah. like ian barnard type on facebook because i couldn't get ian barnard um, oh, i just remembered one more tip about products yeah yeah go my best selling product of all time um Takeaway grid builder because that was like a collaboration product. but uh, one was born out of a frustration. So have a look at things that frustrate you, whether that's in a program or yeah, what it may be in product? anything. Uh, Vector press. So this yeah, was like that. textures because textures in Illustrator. If you know that program, if you try and add a texture, it slows out the computer. You get the spinach spinning beach ball or what you know rotating timer your computer shuts down, you know, all your lights dim. It's it's that painful. And I was like, surely there's a better way. That's been a lot like, yeah, a lot of my products have been me going, surely there's a better way to do this. Um, And so that was born out of, yeah, my frustration. I was like, come on, there must be a better way. So I managed to work out a way of using it, uh, getting textures uh, in Illustrator um, and it not slowing down the computer. And I was like, "You know, but it took quite a process of playing around with different effects and different settings, And I finally got it, and it was just like, you know that that then led on to, and then I did another product, which was all about watercolor inside um because there's people who need vector based things to make them massive or whatever, so they, they don't reduce don't reduce the quality. And yeah. yeah, you know i I released that product just out of my frustration. And I come to realize that a lot of other people have been frustrated as well. So that really solved the problem that, you know, if there's a problem you're having and you can't find it anywhere, then that's sometimes a winning product if you can make it because um, you're not going to be alone in 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 that process. Or, you know, that's another thing. You could say, you could ask on like Twitter or whatever you might, or on Instagram, stuff like, does anyone else suffer with using this in that? And if people say, yeah, oh, I wish there was a solution to that. And you just think, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a way to make a product. Look at frustrations that you have. So and that's, I suppose, okay, that's no, how people, that's how people make, you know, these cool new inventions. Because it's like, born out of like, oh, there must be a way I can do this. Um, you know, like, I suppose that must be like Uber. There must be a way I can do this on mm-hmm. my phone. You know, rather than having to phone up it's a, taxi be a company, it's got to be way. Exactly. So that makes yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's what I say. If it's born out of a
0: genuine frustration, and even if you make it for yourself, as you said, like you know, in the beginning, it's kind of like I'm going to make products to give me a certain look that's cool for me. And then if that picks up, then then that's a secondary bonus. So that makes sense. Yeah, that's really good. And you also do the um, Honest Designers podcast, which people should listen to as well, shouldn't they? Which is good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just you know, Google search Honest Designers or on any of the social platforms. Yeah, we we talk about the trials and tribulations of freelance design and um, uh, the yeah the emotional side, the financial side, all the yeah the ups and downs that comes with (laughs) working for yourself. And um, yeah, so we have a lot of fun. Doing that, and they do that with three other people: Tom, you mentioned earlier on from Design Cuts, uh, Lisa Glanz, who's an uh, an awesome illustrator, and Dustin Lee, who uh, is the king of like selling uh, digital products. Um, he's done a, an amazing job. So yeah, do come and yeah, have a listen. Hope you entertain. <laughs> That's yeah. brilliant,
0: and that people. So like I say, search for Ian everywhere. Follow his lettering. And uh, bombarding with questions, he, he's uh, yeah, extremely yeah, I'm happy. I try,
1: you know. Obviously, you get the bigger you grow an audience, the more messages you get, and so I try. And obviously, I could I could spend all day just replying to messages. So, but uh, you know, if, if, if something I got all the time was, "Can you write my name, please?" Like, over oh, and over okay. again. It hasn't. It's sort of slowed down a bit now. But um, yeah, it, like genuine questions that people ask, they want a response. i happy to, you know. Reply Ask decent and,
0: yeah. questions, that's the key, isn't it? Ask but, an you know, intro if, a question it, worth responding to. If
1: it's just like, yeah, I want something for you for free, you know, right by oh, name. <laughs> so, oh, it's awful. Uh,
0: yeah, you could be there forever, just endless sort of name tags. So yeah, then no, that's not the way to go. Well, Ian, thank you so much for your time. I'll let you go. Um You're and I hope hopefully I'll speak to you soon.
1: Yeah, thank you, mate. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.
0: It's on